Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, January 4th, 2022, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. And from all of us, we wish you a new year of light. So uh, I do want to remind you that Mercury is going retrograde on January 14th, and um, you can read up online about what that's all about. So... um, Actually, <laughs> uh, I think Lavendar's calling me right now. Uh, maybe she's having trouble getting online. So hang on a sec. I'll be right back. Are oh, I still here? Okay. I don't know if that worked or not. I might have cut myself off. Hang on a second. Let me check with the team. Okay. So um, am I still on the air? I can hear you, Ariel. Uh, okay. All right. Good. I, when I tried to pick up Lavendar's call, I thought I might have cut myself off. So she might be having trouble getting in. But uh, first of all, I just want to uh, finish telling you about uh, tonight's show. So uh, tonight we have um, Riley and Lavendar um, discussing how the January astrological timing affects star seeds now on the planet, especially with the star seed markings of the crystal grid uh, this past week concerning the planets at 25, 26, and 27 degrees of Capricorn. This crystal grid alignment is in concert with other planetary alignments, which will be brought to the attention of those uh, beings attending the Teton meetings at Jackson Hole, Wyoming, from January 1st to January 7th. Two subjects to highlight will be the passing of actress Betty White and how it aligns to the crystal grid and the women of the ethers. Also, we'll be discussing the composer Beethoven, his chart, and how he coded his music from the music of the spheres 250 years ago to bring in the new wave of music during the Renaissance. And it makes us wonder, are we getting ready for a new Renaissance from music once again? At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And if you missed our last two shows and you have starseed children or grandchildren, be sure to check out my new book, Magical Messages from the Animal Kingdom. And it's on Amazon, and you can just go to the book section and type in Ariel Taylor, and you'll get right to it. And it was written to help children get off their devices and reconnect with Mother Nature by understanding the animal guides of Native America. So tonight, uh, we'd also like to thank Kathy, Jada, and Fiona for hosting the switchboard and for those who may have a question or comment later on. Our online Starseed community is starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds under Tammy's watchful eye. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please, all you have to do is click follow on our page here, and you will get our biweekly show notices if you enable those to be sent. And our main website, of course, is starseedhotline.com. 
and the Stage 1 starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session with either Anastasia, Emerald, Miara, Riley, or myself. And Lavendar has now retired from doing sessions, so she can focus on her writing. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of power. So you need to find out exactly when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. Um, And that usually takes about a week or so. So first up tonight, I'll get back to the other screen, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful Starseed News. Oh, good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. You are a master of the switchboard, Ariel. You just handle every situation perfectly. Okay, well, I still appreciate your dedication. After, and after the 11 years, I, I would hope so. You are truly a master at this and other things as well. So, oh, thank Well, we you. have a lot of news tonight. Oh, you're so welcome and it's so deserved. Lots of news tonight about other deserving people across the country and the world who have done some good deeds, starting the year off right, ending their year right, starting off year right and at the end of the year a world's uh, they're calling it the world's largest independent digital health agency gave its employees a hundred dollars in cash for Christmas but there was a catch they had to give it away the company had included with the gift a message that read a simple act of kindness can inspire many more well afterwards this company based in Toronto by the way received thousands of video clips of good deeds that their employees did after distributing the holiday money. So thousands of clips, $100, they made it go a long way, and they helped a lot of other people. We don't know how many people actually said, I'll take it, but they weren't supposed to. And with all of the video <laughs> clips that, that they generated, we can assume that just about everybody gave the $100 away. And that's, that's a really nice story, setting a great example and encouraging uh, generosity from their employees. I think that's lovely. Yes. Now, a story. This is one about animals. I love to write about animals, read about animals. But some rescuers helped some elk uh, on Christmas Eve. As a matter of fact, a dozen elk were freezing to death in the Kettle River, which south of Barstow, Washington. A couple of guys were out hunting when they saw that elk, cows, and calves had fallen through the ice and had gotten trapped. And on the other side of the river, a few dozen helpless elk looked on at the disaster of, with their comrades, their female mates and babies that were stuck in the ice. Well, one of the guys called a relative to say, I need a rope. I've got to venture out into the ice, and I've got to try to pull these trapped animals out. Well, in a very short time, they were <laughs> a confagate of cars showed up with ropes and people. People accumulated from everywhere. And by the end of the day, uh, more than two dozen people helped pull the elk out, every single one of them covered him in blankets, and warmed them by the fire. Aww. So they saved, they saved all of those elk, cows, and calves. All these people did. Warmed them up, and they were all fine. They got reunited with the other elk. And so the herd was all put back together, and that's, that's a wonderful story. And uh, also a rescue. Eight people were pulled out of a burning bus in, in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, a guy that saved eight passengers that followed a traffic accident that occurred on a highway on Christmas Eve again. A fuel tanker had crashed with a bus, and the bus had more than 60 passengers. And a truck driver who was passing by was first on the scene. He jumped to the rescue. He managed to save the lives of passengers who had been trapped inside the bus. 
and as a result of his rescue, he himself suffered third-degree burns and he had to be hospitalized. Well, it was big news in the nation of Zimbabwe. He was made a national hero. Everyone was celebrating this sacrifice and this bravery, and to which attention the truck driver stated, I never sought to be a hero, and I don't feel like one. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that just goes to show that true bravery starts with true humility. And a story out of Memphis. A Memphis woman, an older woman, kind of grandma-like like me, <laughs> was standing at a marathon gas station when she started joking around with two young guys in front of her. Afterwards, one of them turned around and told her, hey, I'd like to buy your gas. The woman said, I was teasing him about all the orange juice they were buying, she said. I thought uh, he was teasing me, and I pulled out my credit card, and I said, oh, it's okay, I got it. He said, no, ma'am, I really want to buy your gas, and he handed her $20. Well, the young man's actions touched her so much, she asked him if he'd take a picture with her, and he did, a big smiling face, a young man. And as a result, thousands of people joined in on social media, and everybody attested that Memphis has great young people. They said they are everywhere. So Memphis has great young people, and that's nice to hear. Yeah. Lots of people reported and chimed in about the good experiences they had with Memphis youth. Somebody in Memphis is doing something right. Well, um, what a story this is. Um, A large bag of Christmas presents found alongside a road in Florida was returned to the family that lost them just in time for Christmas. A mother had reported, or for this story reported, she told the story that her five-year-old son's bag of gifts went missing on their way home on Christmas Eve. She said, we had them all wrapped up in the back of the truck. Uh, They were in Christmas paper and everything. She said, we didn't know they fell out. Yes, they did. They got home, no presents in the back of the truck. Everybody was devastated. The parents, specifically, little boy didn't know anything about it. Not yet, anyway. Well, later that evening, and much to their shock and surprise, as it turned out, somebody had turned in these presents to the county sheriff's department. And what did the sheriff's department do? Well, uh, there were gift cards with the first name. So the department posted a plea online. They asked people, hey, we found these gifts. This is where we found them. We have first names. We don't know who they belong to. Can anybody help? Well, social media being the lighted blaze that it is, the message spread all around the region and made its way back to the family as an incidental story. Somebody said, hey, you know, have you seen this? This is a cool story. To their great surprise and shock, it was their son's lost Christmas gifts. The mother said, we want to say a big thank you to the man who turned them in. We're so grateful. And she added, it's a Merry Christmas after all. So people pulled together. And the little boy got his presents back. And I think that's just as sweet as it can be. The man didn't yeah. keep them. He didn't open them. He, he, he turned them in. And the police responded, and everybody pulled together. I think that's so sweet. And, um, okay, here's a great story out of Mosul. This is another country. <laughs> Mosul, India, somewhere in there. Um, this is a story about people, passers-by, uh, who came across a, an accident, another accident. A taxi driver was taking a patient home from the hospital when his car caught fire, that kind of an accident. The taxi caught fire. Well, guess what? There was a passenger inside the taxi. The doors were locked, and the driver had to break the window, 
climb inside and push the passenger out to save him. Um, the passenger was shouting, get me out, get me out, couldn't get out, the door was locked. Pass- the uh, taxi driver said, I broke the window and got him out. Well, the fire trucks came to put the flames out, but it was too late for the car. It was burned to ashes. Well, people started pulling over on the side of the road. And once they found out it was a taxi a taxi and a taxi driver who had no more cab and no more, more way to make money, people decided to empty their pockets. People lined up on the streets of town all around this place and began to collect donations for the taxi driver. And by the end of the day, these volunteers raised more cash than the, than the car was worth before it got burned. And the moral of the story is the passenger's safe, everybody's okay, and the cab driver has a new taxi due to the generosity of people who appreciated a good deed and who shared of their what little they had. I think that's a beautiful story. Now, you all know I'm really interested in 3D printers. I still, being the busy person that I am, have not been able to really take time to study this. And so every time I come across one of these stories, I'm going, what? And I'm reminding myself, you know, Anastasia, you really should read about this. You're so interested. I really don't know how it works. But I promise you, the next time before I read it, uh, share with you a story about something 3D printed, I will, I'll have a little more information that I can share with you. And probably a lot of you know everything about it. But here's the story. Um, it's about a 3D printed house. Mm, yeah, really. A family in Virginia received the keys to their new home just in time for Christmas. It was Habitats for Humanity, ev- uh, first ever 3D printed house. I imagine a first. The recipient of the house said, my children and I are so grateful. I always wanted to be a, a homeowner. We're just, it's a dream come true. Well, she had to buy the house. She bought it through the Habitat Home Buyer Program. But to qualify for this program, home buyers have to have an income between 45 to 80% of the median income. They have to have a good credit. They have to put in so many hours of labor on the house. But the, the houses are sold at no profit with no interest. And uh, the CEO of that uh, region's Habitat for Humanity said, we don't give houses away. We sell houses to families with low to moderate incomes. Well, anyway, you should see a picture of this house, you guys. It's adorable. It's amazing. It looks, looks like every other house you could imagine. It's a three-bedroom, two-bath house, uh, the first ever completed 3D uh, house in the nation, uh, the construction well, habitat house, excuse me. Now, the construction crew printed the 1,200-square-foot house in 12 hours reducing the standard construction schedule by at least four weeks, probably more since materials are in short supply. They used concrete instead of lumber to print the exterior walls, which saved an estimated 15% per square foot in building costs. They also installed a 3D printer in the kitchen so that the woman will have a downloadable computer file that will allow her to print knobs, light switch covers, and other replaceable parts with her very own printer. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. She said that she's excited to make new memories in a place she can call home and give her a little boy a backyard that he can play in. Uh, isn't that just amazing? I, I mean, oh. really? Wow, what technology is shocking. Okay, let's talk about college. Let's talk about physics and a college professor who returned after Christmas from Christmas break 
and waiting there for him in his office was a cardboard box, all beat up. Been sitting in the mailroom for months. Uh, it was addressed to the chairman of the physics department. The package was postmarked November 10th, 2020. It had been sitting unopened for more than nine months, first in the campus mailroom and then in the physics office. He opened it up, and guess what was inside? No, not anything horrible. Think about it. What would be really cool? How about $180,000 in cash? (coughs) Well, (coughs) a letter in the package explained that the donor graduated many years ago from the City College of New York, and that degree helped lead to a, quote, long, productive, and immensely rewarding career. The letter asked that the money be used to help students, also majoring in physics and math, who need financial support to continue their studies. Well, you know, it's suspicious, all this cash. So at first they treated the box like evidence in a crime or something, but they found out it was legitimate. Based on the information on the bands of bundled cash, bank bands, federal agents determined that it had been withdrawn from several banks in Maryland in recent years and was not connected to criminal activity. So now the department is going to honor the anonymous donor's wish by giving out two full tuition scholarships each year for the next 10 years. (laughs) Wow. Wow. What a story. And we have time for a couple more. So I want to talk about dogs. We love our dogs. Well, a dog saved a a sleeping family from carbon monoxide poisoning just in the last week or so. The dog is being hailed as a hero by a family in Iowa for saving them from death by carbon monoxide. The dog's name is Roxy. They say she's mild-mannered, but for some reason, well, now we know why. Anyway, I gave the punchline away early, but the night of the incident, she was very active. He was sound asleep, and the dog started to jump on his bed, jumping on my bed, off my bed, back on the bed, off the bed. When I finally woke up, I was hearing an alarm, and it wasn't the smoke alarm. It was the carbon monoxide detector. He got to his feet. He gathered his son. And they took, he took his boy and the dog out of the house, called for help. Well, it was leaking. Gas was le- leaking from his electric and gas fireplace. She, he said about the dog, he said, she can tell something was wrong that night when she woke me up. And just her actions, she was shivering and really concerned that we would get outside. She kept running to the door. I'm very, very happy to have this dog. I'm very happy to have her. Isn't that something? Uh, wow! Last time we had, last time in news, we we learned about other dogs that had performed rescues and saved families. I mean, wow! Love your dogs, everybody. They are positively saintly and awesome and angelic and beautiful. Okay. Well, um, finally, I want to t- uh, share a just a second here. I've got so many stories. No, <clears throat> New Jersey is the first eastern state to start phasing out diesel-powered trucks. But they're really moving ahead with uh, uh, carbon emissions and uh, restricting gas-operated vehicles and gas-operated this and that and different kinds of things related to our gasoline and petrol consumption. It's happening in every state. But in the latter half of December, New Jersey became the first East Coast state to begin the process of phasing out diesel-powered trucks. 
meaning anything that's bigger than a delivery van. And that happens to be based on California's Advanced Clean Trucks Act, so other states are following California's example. It's going to roll out in just a few years, 2025, and it will require a 40 to 75 percent uh, of new truck sales in the state to be pollution-free and zero emission by 2035. That's a long ways away. We're talking here, what, 13, 14 years or so, um, or more, anyway. So that's a long ways. That's a lot more than that, 20-some years. So that's a long way off. I guess they feel like they have to do this in a slow way, but at least action is being taken, and people are being put on notice. And so they say that their intention is to switch to all electric-powered trucks and that good movement will be won't happen overnight. Um, they say it's an essential ingredient to protect health and to protect the climate, and they say that that is um, going to be considered also in other states, such as Oregon and Washington, California, of course, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Massachusetts, and Colorado. So we can really anticipate, and that also includes gas-heated homes. You know, they're going to start. They've talked about stopping stopping to build up, not building those anymore. Um, uh, many states are implementing laws uh, outlawing uh, gas uh, lawnmowers, weed eaters. Uh, these things have a, a lag time, you know, of several years to, to more. In this case, what I just read to you, over 20 years. But eventually that's coming. And probably in another generation we'll be in a world that is probably pretty petrol-free. Everything goes to plan and um, new technologies are discovered and they're able to adapt present technology to cleaner uh, fuels and operations. So maybe, uh, maybe that's going to help. I certainly hope so. Well, everybody, from my heart to each one of you, much love. I hope you have a beautiful couple of weeks. Happy January. I'm not looking forward to Mercury in retrograde, but, you know, we just have to have a stiff upper lip <laughs> yeah. and bear it. We'll get through it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm always the, the best part of that, uh, Ariel, is the joy when it leaves, okay, the, the delight right. that I feel when that <laughs> day's passed. Right. I, right. I, you know, I, it's kind of like a, a, a little bit of misery and dread and then celebration at, after that because I'm always glad to see it go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I find that as the years are advancing, it seems to be getting a bit more severe. But, you know, we are using a lot more technology than we ever did, too. We're becoming so tech-dependent. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, many of our kind are sort of interested in getting back to nature and doing a little more things the old-fashioned way, which, of course, you know, I advocate. I think that's great. But in the meantime, when we connect through phones and computers and such as that, Mercury retrograde is really a big pain in the backside. But we'll manage anyway. So, again, from my heart to each one of you, much love, everybody, and have a beautiful couple of weeks. Thank you, Ariel, oh, for having You're us. so welcome. And thank you, Anastasia, for some really heartwarming stories. I love that. Yeah, this world's full of good people. It really is. They don't get enough press. <laughs> no, that's for sure. That because yeah. that doesn't sell. You know, you want sensationalism and and uh, terror and fear and disaster and rage and uh, everybody's addicted to that. Except our people, of course. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, you know, well, they just don't have, know that people they want have it. yet to learn. The world world has yet to learn that you know, as your thoughts are, so your reality's going to be. So. Uh, people want to be happy. They need to start thinking a little happier things. And it is infectious, right? Absolutely. It is. It is. 
So that's okay, in that well, way, starseeds paving the way. Okay. All right. I'll let you go. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much, Anastasia. Bye-bye. Till next time. Bye-bye. All right. Now I'm going to get Lavendar's mic open. And, Riley, I saw you. There you are. Okay. Hey, Riley. Welcome back. Hey, Ario. Thank you. So you just, I mean, you just got back a few hours ago, right? I am flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, might, be, might be preferable to an airplane these days. But Lavender, are you ready? Oh, yeah. I'm here. I'm okay. ready. Okay. 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 So, um, well, Happy New Year to all of our Starseed listeners, our walk-ins and our light workers. I uh, no longer am going to be doing sessions uh, for a little while because I need to finish my book, uh, my movie, and it'll be a miniseries. I've got enough material in that bank vault that's going to last a while. So I, I need this time to really focus and to bring the information forth because I've been holding it in the bank vault for over 25 years before I could ever release it. Of course, it's been longer than 25 years since I said that. But since I'm tardy <laughs> and not on time with certain things, <laughs> I'm having to do it now at the age of 79, okay? <laughs> so I would like to start uh, this particular uh, radio show with releasing some information that I have recently written. But first I'd like to preface what I'm going to uh, be reading. Many years ago I was given the information about Athena and the 96 goddesses. It is my understanding that before she left and went back to the Pleiades, she put 96 goddesses in charge of 96 bloodlines on the planet. And those bloodlines have been running all kinds of experiences ever since. And of course, Jesus and Mary Magdalene was one of those bloodlines. And I won't go into that story now, but know that I am sitting and writing about all of this. But there's another component to Athena and the 96, and that has to do with what I call the women of the ethers. The women of the ethers are a group of souls that when they step out of body, they're given a choice. You can either go back in body and reincarnate and recycle through reincarnation and karmic patterns, or you can go aboard a starship or go to another dimension and work from there. Or you can join the women of the ethers. And this is a group of souls that will form a circle of power. They sometimes show up as rainbows. They'll show up as colors. When they, when they make their demonstration, uh, for those that are aware, they, they usually come uh, with some kind of a signature. When I was in Cripple Creek, I got to really get acquainted with a lot of these women of the ethers. One of the demonstrations that they showed me at that time was when Ingrid Bergman played the role of, Gold, of Golda Meir. Golda Meir actually stepped into her body and played herself, and that was one of the demonstrations. I have other examples that I'm going to be writing about, but just for now, just to give you a hint of how this works. These women of the ethers will come and see a project that needs to be uplifted or something that's going to affect lots of people, not just one person. You know, you can't ask them for, 
for a new job or a boyfriend, all right? If you're someone on the planet that's holding a mighty, mighty blueprint for new evolutionary moves, and they have the energetics of balance, of, of being able to go forward with creation, then they will summon a great deal of other beings and say, oh, this person over here is really leading a big charge. We need to go and help empower them. And I've been witnessing this for some time. Our last quest, we got to experience that, and that'll be another story for another time. But, but there was a time when in that room we got to witness how the women of the ethers actually functions. So at this time I want to read to you what I have recently written about the women of the ethers because I thought if, I, if you had the understanding of what I'm about to read, then it's going to become quite clear about what we're going to say about Betty White in just a few minutes. Okay? October 22, 2021, Mount Ida, Arkansas, subject, Women of the Ethers. One of the assignments of the 96 goddesses was the circling of power within the designated circle of the women of the ethers. These souls are dedicated to the completion of the Athena hoop and the 96 bloodlines of intended events. Each one of the bloodlines holds goddess and starseed codes that are to be activated at certain times through astrological timing. This also includes the walk-in programs that are now allowed to flourish all over the planet. The activation of 2012 and 2017 through astrological timing has now blanketed the planet with souls dedicated to these 96 bloodlines. Those in participation of bloodlines through the last several thousand years, ever since Atlantis, have within them the bloodline codes from several species. The mixing and matching of bloodlines has and is ever-present even to this day of your counting. To some insight of how the women of the ethers work from other realms, take, for instance, a group of bloodlines of the 96 having soul maturity records, the astrological timing coming together in unison of person, purpose. This could be through any chosen genius attribute, art, music, science, etc. Because of the events that are to take place in the next 19 years, these women of the ethers are now extremely busy empowering a lot of predestined programs on the planet. They also have rites of passage to cancel some of the programs that no longer serve the people on the planet. There are trained bloodlines that have the ability to put governors on certain individuals that could harm the people or the planet. These are beings that are playing a double agent role in order to keep all balancing procedures on time. When one of these 96 bloodlines leaves the body, they're given choices of how they want to continue with their evolution. They can jump back in body within three days, go aboard a spacecraft, or work from there, join the women of the ethers, to empower or cancel projects on the planet. Even some that are in physical body can join for short periods of time this empowerment cancellation exercise, usually no longer than 45 minutes of Earth time. Depending on the event or circumstance of empowering and cancellation, whatever is required for the balance. There are different groups of the women of the ethers. They work from the Athena hoop of 33, 24, 18, 12, 9, and the last code of activation, 3. 
They are based on the 12 time zones and will spin the creation or destruction from these time zones. Because of the evolutionary period that Earth is going through now, several distinct branches have split off to match the original 96 codings that were given to the 96 by Athena before she left. All branches to the goddess tree of evolution have designated themes of polarity balance. This is a blueprint that is repeated time and time again when bringing in a new root race to the planet, whether it be Earth or some other destination planet. Earth is the polarity planet, as other planets may not be polarity-based. As to some of the Athena 96 starseed walk-in experiments, take, for instance, the entertainment field. There are those women of the ethers who will walk in for short periods of time with an actor, a singer, an artist, a politician, etc., in order to keep the Athena hoop going through voice, color, or simply presence of power. There are some stories that need to be told with the assistance of those that are no longer on the planet, but do reside with the women of the ethers. This is when the shared consciousness experiments are permitted to play on the planet. Sometimes they will walk in for short or long periods of time. There are those out-of-body souls that do choose to enter through the drop-by system, meaning they're only there for a few minutes at a time. Rainbows seem to be part of a handle for their expression. Sometimes they have entrances and exits based on their perimeter of power as they exude their harmonics through colors of the rainbow. These are masterfully presented from the music of the spheres. This is an experiment that is based on harmonics, not visible to many on the planet. Music of the spheres is a coded presentation of colors, mass, four seasons, cosmic colors not experienced in the third dimensional beings. Without the music of the spheres, then the building blocks of creation could not even happen. Rainbows have had a special meaning throughout history of the planet. Many tribes have attributed their ceremonies to encompass the spinning of the rainbow and to their manifestations of creation. Rainbows are universal and favor all or no one. They just are codes of remembrance through bloodline activation of the gods and goddesses of the realms. At different times in history, rainbows became a way of expression from sky to earth on many occasions, a signal sometimes for others to be activated into their knowing. Whenever a major shift is to take place on the planet, then rainbows start appearing at random. Sometimes without rain or clouds, they just appear in round circles, straight lines, curves, and angles of space. Or they can use elementals to join in with some rainbow action. The code behind the radio, the code behind the rainbow, the code is in the water. Ho. Oh. Quartz crystals are amplification of harmonics of codes. When infused with rainbows, creates for short periods of time a glimpse of other timelines, portals, vortexes, ley lines. The crystal grid has now been harmonically set for the truth of history to be revealed. Rings of time are being released through the crystal grid to only those that have the rites of passage with bloodlines, soul maturity records, which are astrologically timed. Rainbows will appear through many factions when a star seed is ready to be infused with the truth of the crystal grid. So, Riley, 
<laughs> you there, girl? I am. So I sent this to you today to read. Is there anything you'd like to say about it before we jump into Betty White? Just that it is so, so relevant to everything that is unfolding right now, today, and especially this year. It's going to be so obvious as we progress through the year, these elements that you just touched on, they're going to be revealed in in a more obvious way. And don't you think the truth is going to be more relevant to all of us when the women of yes. the ethers has a way of presenting the truth through different whether it's art or music or movies or people speaking or politicians, wherever they choose to empower the movement. Yes, yes, exactly. And so through this storytelling and this creative expression, we're also going to be getting not just the truth about things that have been going on behind the scenes, for a while now, but we're talking historically as well. Yes, yes. You and I have been tracking for some time the um, 500-year program that um, that we've been looking at through history and what happened 250 years ago, of course, was the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution in 1776. And I have been really noticing that we probably need to um, add some amendments to the Constitution. <laughs> it's a 250-year cycle, and it's like, uh-oh, I think we left some things out. Um, <laughs> so what we're seeing now in Washington and with politicians, and not only America, I'm noticing it's happening everywhere. People mm-hmm. are rising up all over the world for different reasons. It's like yeah. they've come to a place where uh, maybe it's because they've been, you know, locked down for over a year, and when they finally came out, they just kind of went cuckoo um, <laughs> or something. Yeah. It's like they're being heard a different way is what I'm trying to say. A- and, they're, yeah. and they're seeing themselves differently. Exactly. So, there yeah. we go. That's the crux of it right there. Right. So let's talk about let's talk about Betty White now. Uh, the night before, um, we were sitting watching television, and we always go through: is it Netflix or is it Amazon? What are we going to see tonight? And and Tammy said, Betty White. You know, I wonder if we can find a Betty White movie. And then we we didn't really stay with it. We went to something else, and of course the next day, we found out that she had passed away. And when I got out of bed, I felt so heavy. I just, I thought, oh, I've got the world on my shoulders. Oh, my gosh, what's the world on my shoulders doing today? I walked out. Tammy goes, oh, the world is on my shoulders. I thought, oh, my God, it's really happening. (laughs) But it took us a while to find out about Betty White. We just walked around kind of in a stupor for about four or five hours. I mean, we just couldn't even hardly function. And... Finally, when we heard 
that she had passed, I said, oh, the women of the ethers, they came and got her. And it just came out of my mouth just like that. I didn't think about her being sick. I didn't think, I didn't think about any other reason except the women, came, the women of the ethers came to get her. <laughs> That's all I could say. So didn't you have something happen too, Riley? Didn't you think about I did. Betty White? Yes, I was in conversation um, when I was away with a group of people, and the Golden Girls came up, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. I, I started to really focus on Betty White, and I asked the room, I said, where is Betty White right now? What is she doing? Uh, is she still alive? I literally asked that question. We looked into it, and we saw that she would be celebrating her 100th birthday this year. That was the big headline at the time. This was the day before. And then the very next morning, uh, somebody's phone popped up with the message of Betty White's passing. I mean, it was less than a 12-hour turnaround. So I'm wondering if other other star seeds or other people listening to this show started having anything about Betty White before she left. I, I, we'd be curious to know. If you want to send us an email and say, yes, this is happening, and give us a story about it, that would really be something that we could probably add to the story that we are going to be writing about all this. So let's take a look at her chart. So you go ahead and explain to the audience about what, how her chart is set. Sure. So um, Betty's got some pretty interesting stuff going on. She was born on January 17th of 1922 at exactly 6.38 p.m. in Oak Park, Illinois, which is also really interesting because uh, that is around where I was around this time, um, just this weekend. So uh, anyway, she's got um, Leo rising here at 19 degrees with her Neptune in Leo sitting right on top of her ascendant. So Neptune is the planet that typically rules Hollywood in the movies, and Leo is that creative fire sign. So she certainly was destined to play some sort of part in Hollywood and have significant connection in Hollywood um, as who the one she thing was. That I'll add, let me add something to that, Riley. Um, sure. The Neptune sitting on the ascendant from the 12th house, uh, get, it trines to her part of fortune, tells me that all this time that I've been watching her, she was shape-shifting her energy through the camera. She knew how to send a harmonic frequency of light and balance every time she spoke, every time, film, every time a camera was on her. She took control of the camera energetically. And, and you know, there are several other actresses in Hollywood that have that ability. But, but once you have the ability to shape-shift your energy... So that, I just wanted to add to what you just said. So go ahead, go in. Absolutely. Uh, so then, as if that wasn't enough already, she was born with her son at the mark of the crystal grid in Capricorn 
in her sixth house, conjunct Venus in Capricorn in her fifth house. So she had major, major divine feminine power coursing through her from the moment she hit the ground, basically. And she was hooked up. She was hooked up to the grid. She was intimately connected to Earth's unfolding story. And by extension, there was connection to women of the ethers as well. How about her Mars at 12 Scorpio? What about her her Mars at 12 Scorpio? And it trying to Uranus and Pluto. That was the power of her sexuality, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It, it created this grand trine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She came in with major mastery, exactly, connecting to sexuality and having this this incredible uh, power and ability to transform and, and transmute. Again, connected to what you were talking about with that Neptune in Leo, trying the part of fortune, there, there was also an, an emotional body uh, involvement in this working with the energy directly with both physical and emotional bodies, working with it and, and being able to be conscious of it as well. She was conscious of what she was doing. Yeah. Now let's it jump over total- to her. If you, if you would, just for a minute, jump over to the chart that I sent you for her death chart at 9.30 on December 31st. I want mm-hmm. you to look at something here that, that I think is very pertinent to what you're saying. And since she was born with Sun and Venus conjunct in Capricorn, then Pluto was conjunct her Sun sign, and so was Venus, right, yeah. right, on, right on her 27-degree Sun sign. So Yes. Me, that was the upliftment of the women of the ethers because, and Mercury. Look at Mercury. Mercury was in, in, in some kind of um, energy pattern that was sending the messages from the crystal grid to her physical body to the women of the ethers and back again. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. And, exactly. And guess what? The moon was at 18 Sag right on her part of fortune in her fourth house. <laughs> yeah, and Mars was also there. And Mars degrees was also there. Yeah. 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 So it's like, oh, my goodness, everything was lined up for her to lay down and simply just go to sleep, and then they just came and took... You know, the, Ruth Gordon left the same way. You know, Ruth Gordon, the actress... When she got ready to leave in her 80s, she just went in. She said, okay, I know what's happening now. And she goes in and lays down, goes to sleep, and doesn't wake up. There's several women that know this. Look look at Betty's eighth house. Neptune in Pisces had just entered. Yes. That that is all. And and below it is Athena. Sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. And below mm-hmm. it is Athena. Athena, Neptune conjunct, and Pisces. What a send off! Now I yeah. think. Oh, I'll, oh. I'll tell you, 
another aspect of Betty's chart that really got my attention, and that was her north and south node. No, I'm sorry, That's, I'm not right about that. Her her south node is at is at uh, eleven Aries, and right above it, the day she left, there was Chiron. So I'm going, oh my goodness, For her cosmic bank account totally was visible to all of us on the planet because of who she was, what she had brought to the planet. And I found out later that she was the poster girl for speaking the first time on television to prove that RCA could actually send a signal through the air for television. It was Betty White's voice that launched television. Not many people know that. Pretty awesome. And going back to her birth chart, she has Mercury in Aquarius. Yeah. That's cutting-edge technology and, and using communication and, and voice to and pioneer was, that. And, yeah, and Mercury was, it was coming up on that close to it anyway, right? Yep. Did, yep, you see, yep. did you see the Saturn on her Mercury? I did. And what Saturn's in Aquarius right now. Yeah. So there is something that opens up with this, both for her but also for the world. There's this progressing, this this unveiling, this this opening up. I mean, it's it's definitely cerebral, but it's it's at eleven degrees. There's an initiation going on here. Yeah. 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 And then we have Jupiter. Jupiter had just entered Pisces at double zero degrees. And what I have come to know about double zero degrees of any planet when it changes signs, there is a place, it's a short period of time, but it's where you kind of get to step in between the worlds. It's that interdimensional thing where you, if you have a zero zero in your chart, then you're probably one of the people that will be experiencing kind of, uh, what can I say, a cartoon mind perhaps, or fantasy, or, you know, just jumping out there and playing with the, with the you know, uh, invisible people. <laughs> Elementals, <laughs> fairies, all of that kind of stuff comes under zero, zero. So no telling who was there helping her to leave. Look at her animals. Exactly. Look at the things with her animals. Yeah. Yeah. I bet there's going to be stories about her that we don't know about, people that were close to her that would be able to really tell us some amazing things about her last days. I, I just, I can really feel that. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. There's plenty coming down the pike after this, for sure. I mean, with these charts, <laughs> there's so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as she did before, uh, throughout her life, um, I heard a comment uh, made, just brief, in an article about her passing. Um, one thing that was said about her is she had incredible, uh, nearly perfect timing, comedic timing, uh, uh, just timing throughout her life. She was a, a, a master timer. And here she is again, masterfully timing her 
her passing over, which is for the rest of us yet again, uh, like she did before with that Mercury in Aquarius, opening up the floodgates to a whole uh, new level of, of the year and, and moving yeah. forward. Can you, can you jump over to the progress chart that I sent you about Betty? I want, I want to discuss something that I'm looking at right now. Sure. Progress, one, one planet moves one degree a year. That's the way you do progressions. And the way I look at it is something subliminally that's happening in the background. It's running all the time. You don't know it's there, but it's, it's moving you along with life. So her Venus progressed. It was at 26 Taurus, the mark of the Pleiades. Um, and to me, I thought, oh, my goodness, her progress chart showed in the 10th house at the highest point in her chart that she was ready to work with higher beings from the Pleiades. It was like a pure Pleiadian play that was coming to her. And then I noticed her part of fortune in the third house of communication was at 25 Libra. And isn't that what she came to do, is to balance her communication skills to bring the full light to people on the planet? She was just a lightning ball. I mean, people said things about her that they would never say about other people because she was just so primo that way. (laughs) Also, her Mars was at 24 Sag 39, which is 25, the mark of galactic center. Mm -hmm. So the goddesses and the higher beings were really in attendance with her passing. There is no doubt in my mind about this. As I look at this chart, I'm going... How many times do I have to see this in a chart to know that this is exactly what happened? Oh, yeah. There is so much going on with all. She knew what her name was on, and she didn't waver. She knew what her name was on, and she didn't waver. I think that's the one thing that we can say about Betty White. Okay, so would you like to jump to uh, Beethoven now? Yeah, let's bring him up. Okay. So he, now let me tell you how this here happened. We have. Okay, so on Sunday morning, sometimes uh, we watch CBS uh, show, and uh, Jane comes on and, and gives us little stories. And sometimes the stories are really something that we really need to hear. And my ears really perked up when she goes, we're going to talk about Beethoven and the music of the spheres and and 250-year pattern. Boy, my ears perked up, and I went, there it is, that 250-year pattern that Raleigh and I have been tracking for so long. And <laughs> sure enough, I went and did his chart, and I went, oh, my goodness, because I've been saying for some time that the Renaissance boys that, that placed music and art, you know, Da Vinci and Ben Franklin, all that group that was in the 1700s, um, that was 250 years ago. And again, we're back here um, doing an upgrade with everything that they put in motion. And so Mm -hmm. I've been talking to several people saying, you know, I hope that we have new music that comes to the planet because what we've got now is just, I don't know, I just can't handle most of it. So when I did the chart, the one thing that I noticed is his moon, first of all, his birthday is December 16, 1770, at 3.40 a.m. in Bonn, Germany. And his moon is at 12 Sag. 
uh, Athena at 20 Sag, uh, Mercury at 21 Sag, and Sun at 24, 14 Sag, just one degree off of galactic center. But his Venus is 26 Capricorn, the mark of the mm-hmm. crystal grid. And I went, whoa. <laughs> then I saw the next thing that really threw me off my tricycle. The north node was at 26 Scorpio, and our south node is at 26 Taurus. The north node is destiny, and the south node is your records where you come from. She was coming with goddess Athena records. She was coming with the goddess and the divine feminine and everything that in between. So give us your head on what you think about this chart, Riley. Yeah, well, the first thing I saw were all of the crazy grand trines going on in the center there, just all of these different masterships that were pulled in. So immediately I said, oh, okay, yeah, big player here. And then seeing that stellium in Sagittarius, seeing that, that high wisdom, and yes, I saw the moon at 12 in Sag. So, okay, yeah, big big deal here, big deal. The nodes. And then I also saw Uranus in his seventh house at 12 degrees in Taurus retrograded. And that rung a lot of bells. Um, for many reasons, but I, I looked at current transits, and we currently have Uranus at 10 degrees in Taurus retrograded. Right so we've now, already I know. Been, yes, we've already been to this point. This is like a, a, a revisiting, and it's such an important um, uh, piece because it's Uranus. And there are so many um, things that Uranus is connected to, um, but a big part is this uh, lightning bolt insight and uh, shock and shaking things up and brilliance and genius of the highest sort. And it's in Taurus, too, which is interesting because Taurus is that earth sign. It's those foundations. It's the the cornerstones. It's the values. It's the beauties and the pleasures of of living. It's also connected, yes, to the Pleiades. And so to connect this particular historical (laughs) figure with today, we can see a lot of um, common patterns playing out between the microscopic uh, version of this individual's life and the macroscopic collective experiences of Uranus and Taurus today. So that was really exciting because, yes, Beethoven had um, a pretty intense upbringing in his household and then went on to produce these incredible works and working with harmonics directly and and sharing them with the world, transforming the world, bringing a whole new uh, uplifting, um, I mean, we can call them light codes because it really just amped up everything across the world and brought it to another level. And so here we are again experiencing this foundational shifting of, of the world 
And so we can see that collectively we are experiencing what <laughs> an individual uh, brought. Does that make sense? Am I being Absolutely. And, and also, you know, Uranus takes 84 years to go around the circle. So for mm-hmm. it to be back here close to his when he was, when he was born, it's almost mm-hmm. like the bells are ringing for us to, to review his life. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect Venus, example it, of timing. Well, how about this? At 26, at Venus at 26 Capricorn, do you think he might have been a goddess? Oh, it was definitely, yeah. definitely, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't That's know my favorite really part. A, yeah, I, I've never, I've never really looked into him. Today was the first day I ever started looking at anything about him, and I'm going, oh my goodness, these are goddess markings. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, look at the top of his chart. There, he's got his midheaven point at 24 degrees and 51 minutes in Cancer. Yes. Boom. Yes. <laughs> and he and he wrote and he wrote that beautiful uh, ode to joy, which and he was almost deaf when he wrote it, which was I mean straight out of music of the spheres. It has to be. Mhm. Yes, exactly. That that to me as well functioned as yet another demonstration that yes. We have the material sensations of the senses, but there are other senses that are subtler that even when physical senses are, um, you know, rendered kaput, you can still, there are other ways of functioning on, on other planes and at other levels, and you can still accomplish uh, the producing of, of uh, material things that have actual origins in, in higher planes. You know, I did put Betty White and, and uh, Beethoven together charts just to look, and I think they knew one another in another life, okay? <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think she was pretty randy with him, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. 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 So, um it's so interesting to to look at at these star markings and both of these charts and know that they had a hand in bringing um creation to the planet, to their art, to their music, through ways of of balance that uh you know, his music's going to go on and on and on. And I think that Betty White, wherever she is, she's going to go on and on too. I think she will actually step down through someone in, in Hollywood, and she may have done it already. Who knows what's going on mm-hmm. with that. But I have mm-hmm. witnessed uh, these women of the ether and their procedures. I have lots of funny stories about watching them do their l- little performances. <laughs> and, uh, of course, when it happened back in the 80s, who was I going to tell about that? I mean, not until now am I even willing to bring it up. But uh, yeah, it it is a happening. There are there are beings that will simply uh, stay here and be to, with us to help us go through what we're going through right now. Uh, 
there are there are groups of women that will go and take care of our Wall Street ventures. There's women that will go to hospitals. There's women that will go to um, war battles. I mean, there's no telling where their energies are going to be needed in the next uh, few months because we're going to be in some heavy crisis. Now, there was something I think that you wanted to share with us. Didn't you say that you read something or someone told you something today about the next two weeks? Would you like to share that with yes. our audience? Yeah. So um, I was just doing some preparations <laughs> while at the airport today, um, and I came across a, a video, and I don't remember his name. I'll have to get that to everybody later. But um Anyway, another astrologer was talking about the energies of January, uh, and he was looking at uh, Pluto. Uh, he was looking at a couple of other things, too. Um, actually, let's start with the first thing he looked at, and that was uh, later in the month, because the first two weeks of this month seemed to be a little sleepy, but that's not quite the accurate word to use. It's not like everyone's sleeping. It's just like everything is stalled temporarily and is getting ready for a big kaboom, a big surfacing. So that's from January 1st until the 14th or so. Then on the 17th of January, we have birthday. the full, yes, <laughs> on birthday, right? birthday, yes, we have the full moon. So the sun will be at 27 degrees in Capricorn, and the moon will be at 27 degrees in Cancer. So this in and of itself, oh, and by the way, this is happening at 647 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so this in and of itself is is just big. Typically, uh, full moons are a time of release. With a full moon in Cancer, there are a lot of themes that come with this. So Cancer is a water sign, so there's going to be a lot of emotional release um, connected to women, connected to families, and at a higher level, connected to bloodlines. And this all connects back to the earth and the grid. There is a big release coming up on January 17th. Okay? Now, that's just that. Then what he did is he took the natal chart of the United States States of America, and he did the transit chart on top of it to see where the sun and moon fall in that chart. This is quite a significant full moon for the United States because it falls, the sun falls in the second house of the chart, and the moon falls in the eighth house of the chart. The second and eighth houses of the chart is about value systems and and money and currency and economics. It's 
It's personal money, the money of the country, of the second house. And the eighth house is, is other people's money, uh, money at a more collective level. So there's going to be something interesting that is released related to uh, money markets, uh, money, uh, uh, I almost want to say secrets, like structures that have been at play for a while now that are coming out of the darkness to be revealed and ultimately released. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what starts to uh, come into effect, and it's like a domino effect coming in um, at the latter part of the month. Now, I say domino because the 17th full moon is what sets up major events that are to come uh, starting with on February 2nd of this year, Pluto will be at 27 degrees and 33 minutes in Capricorn. That is significant because that is the exact position that the United States' natal Pluto is. So this is called a Pluto return. This is huge. This, uh, it never happens for any individual because it takes close to 250 years for Pluto to return to its exact position. So when it happens with countries, um, major, major transformation takes place. Now, this is in Capricorn. So this has to do with structures of the country, um, structures related to authority, um, governments, institutions, but also structures created through contracts. So like the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, these things are going to be coming up and coming to the forefront and coming up for review to be transformed, to transmute some of the um, topics and energies connected with the contracts that were made at that time before 250 years ago. So they're coming up now. And this also is connected to the collective psychology of the world, but also the United States and the population of the United States, there is this collective psychological transformation that is set to occur. And we can already feel, I mean, we've been witnessing and observing this low movement up to this because Pluto has technically been conjunct the natal Pluto of the United States um, for a little bit now because it's such a slow-moving planet. It's, it's been so for the past, oh, about three, four years. Uh, it's the exact point that creates that, that total zing harmonic that really catapults uh, action and brings things to the surface. So all of that is to say we are going to really start to see these changes, these psychological changes, take action in the collective 
And then that is going to affect these uh, more physical changes to documents and institutional structures. So we do have a lot ahead of us, and that is happening. The exactness is happening again on February 2nd. And then in February as well, later on, something even more interesting happens where while we have this exactness taking place, um, we've also got uh, this stellium that occurs uh, with Venus and Mars. I'm sorry, this is actually March 2nd. March 2nd is when this stellium occurs. Again, a stellium is when you have um, three or more planets in the same sign. So we will have Venus at 27 degrees in Capricorn. We will have Mars at 27 degrees in Capricorn. And we will have Pluto at 27 degrees in Capricorn. All of these energies are going to be focusing on this part of the chart of the United States. And this is all occurring in the second house. This is all about values and belief systems. There is a tremendous psychological transformation pertaining to the collective and agreed upon values and belief systems of this country, which is just, I'm really excited. I am very excited to see. How does so? So I, I hope that that you'll be able to come on each month and give us, you know, a, a report on what what is happening in the sky. Is there anything that that you see that's really relevant about what's happening in the next two weeks? Do you see anything that's by transit or anything that yeah. that we could share? You could share with the audience. Absolutely. Uh, two. Well, three. Um, <laughs> Four major things, four major things happening. First is on uh, January 14th, Mercury in Aquarius at 10 degrees goes retrograde. And it'll, it'll remain retrograde into February until the 4th, okay? So we have this, again, an opportunity to review and relax our minds and take in information and review Aquarian energy. So this has to do with technology. This has to do with humanity and, and the direction we are headed in. This also has some pretty strong Atlantean themes. Um, a lot of starseeds may be experiencing uh, memories percolating, bubbling up to the surface, connected to uh, the Atlantean timeline, and, and, and at that time, uh, what was occurring, because these themes are coming up again, okay? So that's significant. That's like again, 5G? January 14th. Are you, talking about 5G? are you talking about 5G, Riley? That would be one of them. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be uh, coming up in a major way, a lot of conversation about that and a lot of review. Um, now, Aquarius is also that delicious, um, rebellion energy as well. Uh, so with Mercury retrograding, it gives us the opportunity to mm, organize, organize and uh, take, take the highest route uh, to uh, change the direction um, 
I, I guess we can also talk about quantum and, and choosing timelines. It, it's, it's along those lines, but we don't have to get into that. Just a brief mention of that. Then on January 18th, because you see now, we're in the second part of the month. The first part is pretty sleepy. The second part, things really pick up pace. January 18th, the nodes of the moon, the north and south nodes, switch. So the north node has been in Gemini for, for about mm, two, two years, uh, almost. Yeah. Uh, it's switching from Gemini, the north node, into Taurus, but the nodes move backwards. So the north node will be at double zero degrees in Gemini, which again, that, that in-between space, that, that resetting of information and, and all things pertaining to Gemini, that would be a show in and of itself. And it's moving into Taurus at 29 degrees. While this is occurring, the south node is moving from Sagittarius at double zero degrees into Scorpio, again, at 29 degrees. Now, I'll just say something brief about these because you can do a show <laughs> totally on the nodes. But this yeah. is so many things happening, setting up the energy for this next unfolding of this next level. Now the focus has shifted from Gemini activities to Taurus activities, which really amplifies these energies that we've been talking about with these other, uh, this other Earth sign, Capricorn, but also we keep mentioning Taurus. It's a big theme coming up this year. So Venus plays a premier role because Venus rules Taurus. This is all about value systems, belief systems, uh, what your integrity aligns you with, what has your name on it. Um, this is who you are. This is your foundation. Um, this is what is essential and, and what is, can be released. Uh, this is also the focus of all of us building uh, new foundations or addressing the foundations that are already here and uh, changing them. And this is also going to be based on what's happening with the South Node in Scorpio, these secrets coming up to the surface, these um, power dynamics that were previously hidden from the public coming up to be ultimately cleared. There is a releasing because that is what happens with the South Node, um, a final releasing of things pertaining to those themes. So that's January 18th, and that will be in effect uh, throughout the rest of the year, 2022, into 2023. Um, I believe it's July, but I'll have to review that again. Then on January 24th, so just a couple days later, Mars moves out of Sagittarius and into Capricorn, officially joining the conversation that Venus has been having in Capricorn, which speaking of January 29th, Venus has been retrograde this entire time since last month, and she finally goes direct at the end of this month on January 29th. So all of these 
themes that we've been reviewing pertaining to our relationships, pertaining to our relationship with money, um, as well as people, and just relationship dynamics in general uh, in relationship to our authority with ourselves and and our sovereignty and um, our work, our great work that we came here to contribute to society, uh, we will be done reviewing those and we will know what we're about January 29th and we will move forward once again uh, with a new kind of attitude in our step, okay? And with Mars joining Venus in this sign of Capricorn, he's coming in with that um, major physical and passionate support of this, um, a bit of a transformation that Venus has gone through herself, where she has reviewed and gotten rid of things that no longer served and now knows exactly what she wants. And here comes Mars to support and make that happen uh, with her. And what's interesting about this is from this point onwards, Mars and Venus will be doing this beautiful dance in the sky from January 31st, so the end of this month, until April 2nd, where they are doing the tango, the foxtrot, the ballroom dances galore through Capricorn and Aquarius. This is divine feminine and sacred masculine in balance dancing through the sky. It's beautiful and very exciting, uh, and it will catalyze a lot of major transformations um, on, on the earth plane. We are getting ready for big, big, big change this year, and it really kicks off at the end of this month. Wow. Well, I have a couple of things that that came to me as you were talking, and that is at 29 Taurus and 29 Scorpio is a place where I track from, from the seven weeping sisters from the Pleiades when they get to come and do their magic on the planet. Okay? The other thing I'm looking at is Mars right now it has activated what we call the great attractor. The great attractor is a, uh, that's a whole other show, but but I've noticed that every two years the great attractor is stimulated, which really moves evolution by by jumps. I mean, it can, it jumps time and space every time we have an activation of the great attractor. Well, the great attractor just activated my Mercury. <laughs> so that's why I'm writing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pretty funny, huh? There we go. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I know. <laughs> and the moment yes, of and exactly the moment of the show, I did my chart, and I'm looking at the moon is at 15 Aquarius right now. My Athena wow. is 15 Aquarius, and I just dropped this oh. information for the first time on the radio show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever talked about Athena on the show. Wow. So that was and time, she, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a beautiful, again, demonstration of what we are really talking about 
overall, bigger picture, we are talking about evolution. And we have the opportunity now to consciously go through this evolution process where we can track and observe this complete change and, and bump up to that next level. I mean, this is why we're here. We won the lottery coming down here like this. <laughs> so yeah, for absolutely. Star seats are here. Right. Well, I see what time it is, but I would like to stay on the line uh, and not to pass it over to you, Ariel, because some, I, w- I would like to open up this switchboard if anybody wants to call in and ask a question of me or of Riley. So okay. at this time, would you check with the, with the switchboard and see if they have anyone waiting to talk to us? Um, not this moment, but we have to tell them it's okay to call. So okay. if you are if you're if you're already on the switchboard, um, then you just need to press one on your keypad so that we know you've got a question um, or comment. And if you're listening on the computer, then pick up the phone and dial nine one seven eight eight nine eight two nine two. And then as soon as you get in, you press one so that we know you've got a question. So that might take so, a, a couple minutes. So I was thinking about you, Fiona. If, you, if, you're on the, if you're on the switchboard and you have something that you want to say, I've been thinking about you the whole time I've been talking, <laughs> knowing that, that you're part of the Athena and the 96 group of bloodlines on the planet and you're a stewardess and you fly all over the world and activate people. So I'm so appreciative of the work that you do, not only what you do away from us, but to be here on the switchboard, you know, every every other Tuesday. Or I mean, you've been with us a long time, Fiona, and it's like I, I really need to acknowledge who you are and what you've been doing for Starseed Radio. Well, I'm here, Lavendar, and I'd like to say thank you so much. And I am blown away, and I have enjoyed every moment of this show. I think it's just that so rings true, and the timing is really perfect. And it's unbelievable the work that you've done. And Riley, amazing. I also would like to see Riley back at least every month for a rundown of what we're looking forward to astrologically. But thank you so much, Lavendar, and um, we will all continue this wonderful work. Yeah, okay, well, thank you. But you have really been on my mind the entire time that I've been talking. Oh, Fiona, she feels like she's in the room with me. What's going on with Fiona? (laughs) (laughs) That happens to me sometimes. I can't help it. (laughs) So, Ariel, would you like to uh, uh, say anything, anything that comes to mind as you've been listening to us? Well, I mean, I've got the charts that you're looking at, and I'm, you know, just like following along. It's like, yep. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, look at that. You know, just like completely just really on it. Um, I've got I've got Betty White's natal chart in front of me now. And um, did I don't know if you did touch on the fact that she's got this this grand trine in water, which, of course, is is feminine. Um, and, and two of the points are at star marking degrees. Yeah. And, and one and one of those with Mars at 12 Scorpio, um, that and it's in the fourth house of you know star seeds. That really gave her, by natural state, an ability 
to transform, to transmute, to um, activate star seeds um, in a, in a yeah. healing way. Yeah. Uh, whether she whether she was consciously, you know, aware of doing that or not, you, you, when when you've got this by natural state, you don't have to say, okay, today I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna work on activating people. You don't have to. You know, it, it's it's in your presence. So yeah, that that really um, struck me. And then of course with the the Pluto being connected to her her star team, they probably had her moving around. Um, you know, go show up here, go show up there um, for some surface reason. But there was always, I think, a deeper reason. Oh yeah, um, yeah. She did, and a, when she I, did a lot of under, a lot of undercover work. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and having Venus conjunct the Sun. I mean, I always thought she was so pretty. Uh, you know, and that that doesn't hurt. When you're in front of a camera, uh, but also, yeah, you know, with the with with her moon in 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 Virgo at critical degree, uh, she had a sense of humor that would just come out of nowhere. And it's like, did she really just say that? So I mean, just from you know from years of watching her on television, I think that um, I can see how this how this played out. So. Um, that's all I wanted to say about that. Um, but yeah. And, you know, I mean, now looking at, looking at, uh, at Beethoven's chart, like, like Riley said, the first thing you see is all of these trines and grand trines and, um, you know, a lot of, um, credits, but, um, you know, the, the man suffered with his, with his health, with his family, and and look there in the fourth house, even though he's got you know Venus at the mark of the crystal grid and and that's a real powerful star marking. It's also you know having Capricorn in the fourth house. He didn't get a lot of support from his family. Yeah. And uh, you know I mean he, uh, of course I guess on another level, um, you know artists often you know have some deep pain and they and they use the art to. Um, to express that and to um, kind of heal from that. But what's always boggled my mind is how he continued to compose even after his hearing was gone. Yeah. Yeah, you think he I'm, wasn't plugged into something? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, and, and having, um, you know, I mean, that, that all the, the Sagittarius stuff, he was, and of course, north and south nodes at at the marks marks of the Pleiades. Um, he was absolutely, um, let's say, divinely led, guided, um, and on some level, I think he. I mean, he knew more than than he ever talked about. And there's yeah. not a lot online about his, you know, his personal you know, the type of, you know, personality, what he was all about. But you have to kind of read between the lines when, you know, it's just a bunch of dry, you know, and this year he did this and then that year he did that. But um, his his music, and again, speaking from, as, a, as a musician, um, I love classical music. I mean, all different kinds of, you know, the classical composers, um, 
but there's something about Beethoven's music that is so deep and so rich and so intense and so passionate. I mean, when I hear, you remember, um, um, oh, the, the, the was, I don't know, I forget what station, but there was a news show, um, like Huntley and Brinkley or something, and they used Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. That was their theme song. And when that show came on, I mean, it was like, oh, you got to pay attention. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't. I, do, I don't remember that. Huh. Well, I doubt, I, I doubt that I could, I could sing it for you but, <laughs> because it's – but, yeah, his Ninth Symphony, uh-huh. <laughs> that melody in my head but yeah his his music and the and the ode to joy that you talked about um that's it is like one of the finest examples of contrapuntal harmony uh with like two different melodies going on at the same time that support to and, and work together but you can yeah. pick out two two it's almost like two songs at once and that and it just works yeah um yeah 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 quite different from mozart who yeah. was much was much more, um, you know, mathematical sequence, and I mean Mozart's music. I mean that could be a whole other show as well, with the Mozart effect and what happens to your brain when you listen to his his piano etudes. Um, actually, I mean I read a book about that where children would, I mean if you play Mozart when when before the child is born. They have a better a better grasp of spatial acuity, and they do better on tests. And even you know, if you have to go into to take a big test, you know, listen to some Mozart before you go in. And his music is coded, um, but it's not. It doesn't have to. I mean, to me, um, it's got the intricacy and the and the technical wizardry. But Beethoven's music was it was just. It hits you on a, on a much deeper soul level, where I think you know soul maybe level. Mozart is, yeah, yeah, Mozart maybe more um, uh, cerebral, but they both have their place and they both have their their merit. But yeah, I mean Beethoven, and you know he only, I think he passed when he was fifty seven, um, and so he really didn't have a very long life and career. But look at all that he he created, That's and that right. there's yeah. that you know, and there's that north 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 node in Scorpio, you know, right. creating right. in the house of art, music, beauty, and of course, you know, values and belief systems. But on on this level, it's, this is more about the um, masterful um, creator of music, right? And it, and so it's I wanna, natural state. Yeah, right. So. So, Riley, I know that you've been traveling all day. I know you're tired, and we've really asked you to do a whole lot today when you got off the plane. <laughs> so I'm going to give you some rest now. We can we can end this show now. I hope that, that – uh, do we have anyone on the switchboard before we go? No. Is there anyone there? No. Nope. You covered the material okay. really well. <laughs> so no one has okay. any questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, uh, Riley, if you listen, if you listen to the show um, in the archives, and you do have a question, then just come on the next show. 
And you can say I have, yeah, a, right. I have a question from the last show you did. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, so with that, so um, I'll just hand it over to you, Ariel, and and thank you so much, Riley. And I hope that that we can continue to have this kind of collaboration about astrology with you because you are the future, my dear. You are the future. So, Ariel, <laughs> go ahead and sign us off. Okay, and Riley, I'm so glad that you're home safe and sound. And um, call me tomorrow. So yes, from yes, everyone, from okay, from everyone here at Starseed Radio Academy, we wish you a year filled with light, and always remember to hold that gratitude in your heart, and show compassion instead of judgment, and help others to do the same. So uh, until another two weeks, we'll see you later. Bye-bye, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.